And today, as we look at 1 John 3, you had a homework assignment last week, which was to read all of 1 John 2. I hope you did that. Uh, There will be no grade uh, on that assignment, um, but I hope you read all about the Antichrist and the Antichrists uh, that are around today. Those people who are pulling us uh, away from the things of God. Uh, They exist in our world, and we're going to continue kind of that idea today. John is creating a big uh, contrast between what it means to experience uh, the love of God and to walk in that righteousness and what it means uh, to keep on sinning uh, and live like the devil. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you've got your Bible open to 1 John 3, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Those of you online, we're grateful for you uh, joining us today. Uh, Look forward to you worship, continuing to worship with us this morning. And so 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now there's a lot in this passage, uh, and we can get sort of zoned in on the last half uh, of this passage, kind of verses 6 through 10. But I want us to start with the most important thing that's written in this passage. And it's actually the first word in verse 1. See. See. It's a command that John gives to this church. Those people who claim the name of Christ, those who are followers of Christ, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. What kind of love? A lavish love, an unconditional love, a love that doesn't keep loving you when you do good and stop loving you when you do bad. No, unconditionally. A love that is lavished upon you, that's given to you freely. A love that knows no bounds. We cannot measure the magnitude of God's love for us. You can't measure it. 
And so John wants to draw his reader's attention to that great love. A a love that's unchanging, that lasts from eternity to eternity. God loves you unconditionally. He loves you. And you need to understand and receive that love. He loves you no matter how good or bad you are. He loves us even when we rebelled against him. He loves sinners. And he welcomes us into his family through his son, Jesus. And John wrote about that in his first book, the gospel of John, that those who believe on him, Jesus, will be called children of God, sons and daughters. And so those of us, those of you that have received that great love that God has for you, by placing your faith in Jesus, by receiving the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers you, you're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God. God loves you and you cannot measure how great that love is. We try, but his love is without measure. You need to know that today. I want to encourage you with, with that today. And, and it's something that, that we need to embrace because it's a great gift that you and I have been given, the love of God. But the challenge with receiving that gift is that the world will be against you. He says, if you have that gift of God's love through Jesus, the world is going to be opposed to you. And you know why? Because the world was opposed to Jesus. So much so that they sent him to the cross to die. The worst kind of death. And so if if you're here today, whether in person or online, and you know and understand the love of God through Christ, you've received Jesus as your Savior, please don't be surprised, don't be discouraged, don't think it's some kind of punishment that the world is against you. That's just confirmation that you have the love of God in you because the world is going to be against you. That's just how it is. We should expect nothing different than the world to be against us. You shouldn't expect any different. But what you should do is love the world into the kingdom. Love them into the kingdom. When they show you hate, respond with love and grace. When they reject you, embrace them all the more. Go the extra mile. That's what God calls us to do is to receive his great love and to demonstrate to the world what it means to live like a child of God. And one day, one day, the good news is one day we're going to get to see him in all of his glory and we'll be different on that day. We won't be as good looking as we are today. We'll be better looking than we are today. At least some of us. We won't look like this. We're going to be different. Our physical appearance is going to be different. It's going to change and our, our hope, which exists now, will become a reality in him. 
But for now, we live as God's children. We live constantly reminding others that we're a new creation. That we've experienced a new birth in Christ. That the old life is gone and I have a new life in Jesus. I want to live that way. I want to live a life of purity and holiness and righteousness. I want to live a life like Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, if you've followed Jesus, then you and I should be practicing righteousness because the practice of righteousness is evidence of our relationship with God. When you and I practice righteousness, we demonstrate to others that I have a relationship with Jesus, that I have embraced the love that God has for me through Christ. I've experienced forgiveness and grace and I live in power to overcome sin and death. And so that's who we are. We are loved by our heavenly father, loved without measure. And for those that have received Jesus as savior, if you haven't done that today, I implore you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can step from darkness to light, from sin to purity. And it's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. Simply surrender yourself to him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've rebelled against your perfect standard. And I need the forgiveness of Jesus. The one and only person who lived a perfect, sinless life who died for me. I receive him by faith. And in that moment, you step from death to life, from darkness to light from a life defined by sin and rebellion to a life of purity. And as John writes to these young Christians who are battling all kinds of influences from the world, he wants to create a, a stark contrast from what that kind of life looks like. A life surrendered to Jesus, a, a life embracing the love of God, a, a life destined to purity. And what a life of sin and rebellion looks like. It's, he, he creates this great picture, a stark contrast. And so if we know that one day we'll be like him, then what's the opposite? Because there are people out there that don't live that way. Because everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. It's like, anybody know how to drive a standard shift car? Raise your hand proudly, please. Oh, hey man. All right. Amen. Good. Most of you over 40, unfortunately. It's okay. There's a few, okay. Online, type in the notes if you're a, you can drive a standard shift. But, but it's like in this moment, John is talking, everybody should learn, okay. That's like a life skill. Everybody should learn. So that's all for free right there. It's like John is trying to help all those who would follow Jesus. Like, hey, stay on this path. Because here's this other crazy path that you don't want to be on. Because it's defined by sin and lawlessness. And I bring that up because it's like he pushes in the clutch, downshift a second, and slams on the gas, right? That's what he does. So if you know how to drive a standard, you know what that means. If you don't, learn and we'll teach you. He, he like takes a hard left here. 
Like everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Hmm. Well, what is sin? In the Greek, it's the word amartia or hamartia. And it means to, to miss the mark. It's like an archer who, who is aiming for his target and he misses the bullseye. Or for all you hunters that bow hunt, you miss the deer. <laughs> That's right. But it's also like a warrior who's in hand-to-hand combat, who has a sword, and when he goes to attack his opponent, he misses his opponent with the sword. Or maybe a, a more modern understanding, even in the ancient world, they, they said this. It was like a person who was going along a path and they missed the turn on the path they should have taken. It's like one of our pastors yesterday who was driving back from Dallas. He remains nameless, Jonathan Smith, but he, he was traveling along I-30 to get to I-45 and he missed his turn. And so he got to take a leisurely drive all the way to 635 and make a tour of Dallas. He missed the mark. And we miss the mark sometimes too. And as John writes here, he's saying, those people who constantly miss the mark, those people who rebel against the things of God, it's lawless. Lawlessness, wickedness, your translation might say. It's a direct offense to God to sin. When you and I sin, it's in direct opposition to the righteousness and the purity of the things of God. And for us to sin means that we align ourselves with the world. We align ourselves with the things of the world. And therefore are enemies of God in that moment. And so I wonder as I think about sin in my own life and in our lives collectively as a people of faith, why would we sin? Why would we sin when God himself, why would we sin when God himself became flesh came into the world for one purpose and one purpose only, the only sinless one, to come with a singular objective, to take away the sin of the world. Why would I sin when I know that? When I know that God loved me so much that his solution for my sin was to die. For me, to pay the penalty of my sin. Why would he do that? Why would I sin when he did that for me? To take away my sin, take away the sin of the world. God became flesh so that you and I would understand his great love for us. We would understand righteousness. We would know and embrace what it meant to live a life of purity. And so why would I keep on sinning? If you and I continue in a pattern of sin, we demonstrate that we do not know 
our Heavenly Father. Because followers of Jesus don't live lives characterized by sin. We don't. We're called to be different in the world, not of the world. We're called to love people and reject the things and philosophies and systems of this world. We're to live a life of purity and holiness and righteousness. And guess what? We can't do that on our own. You, you just you can't. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it on your own. That's why you need the love and the power of Christ living inside of you. You need the spirit of God who overcame death. And so let no one deceive you, little children. What a great word. What a great father moment he has for these young Christians. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Don't let someone peer pressure you into, make you think this is some new great theological truth that, oh, it's okay. Because guess what? These guys were facing the same thing. They had some heretics, some false teachers in their church who were trying to tell them, not is it just sinning is not that bad. It's actually virtuous to sin. What kind of craziness is that? We think we got a messed up world. These guys had the same thing. It wasn't just sinning was okay, but it was actually virtuous to sin because if you had this intellectual understanding of Jesus, then that's all that mattered. The, the mental understanding of Jesus was all that, all that mattered because the physical was no longer important. So what you did in the physical world didn't matter. So it was okay to sin. It was actually good. No. John is reminding them constantly, this is who you are. This is who you are. You cannot keep on sinning and claim relationship with Jesus. Those are mutually exclusive ideas. They don't ever intersect. There's no good Venn diagram for that. They're in opposition to each other. Let me remind you, this is who you are. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. That's who we are. That is who we are. Not because of our own goodness, not because we're great most of the time, not because we can follow the rules mostly. No, we are holy because our father is holy. That's the only way. We are holy only because our heavenly father is holy. And he has given us righteousness. It is imputed is the big word for it. It's given to us through Jesus. And when we accept him as our savior, we take on the righteousness of Christ. And so when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Evidence of his great love for us. We love because our father loves we are holy because our Father is holy. We keep from sinning because our Heavenly Father is sinless. By contrast, the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That sounds like a great start for a hip-hop song. This little passage right here reminds me of Waterboy. I can't help it, but if you've seen that movie, you know. It's of the devil, not football, but sin is of the devil. If you've never seen the movie, don't watch it, okay? <laughs> it's funny, but not good. 
sin has originated with Satan himself. And do we think sin is changed? No. It, it, is, it is the objective of Satan who is real, unseen but real. It is his objective to destroy you and me. That's his objective. And he's been doing it as long as time has been around. He's in opposition to the work of Jesus. And so in no way do I want my life as a follower of Christ to be connected to the thing that is in opposition to God. And so there are no little sins in God's economy. And you know why? Because Jesus died for that little sin. He died for that little sin. That little sin sent him to the cross. His hands and his feet were nailed. He had that crown of thorns placed on his head for whatever that little thing is that you think is no big deal. And so I want my life to be mutually exclusive from sin. And so that's a constant pursuit of surrendering my will to my heavenly father's will. Because I know on my own, it's impossible. I, I need the power of God's spirit living inside of me. If I'm gonna live a life of righteousness, if I'm gonna live a life worthy of being called a child of God, if I'm gonna live a life that brings honor to my heavenly father, because what John is trying to help us understand here is that there's two worlds to live in. There's a world that, that embraces and receives the love of the Father and then lives that love out. And then there's this world where we live and embrace sin and destruction and hate and things of Satan. And we get to live that out to its logical conclusion, which is eternal separation from God. He's trying to help us understand these two worlds He's imploring his readers, look like your father. I remember growing up when I was a young kid, I would often mimic the things that my dad did. And some of you probably did that as well. And I'll never forget just about every time we went to the grocery store, um, he would run his hand along the baskets and without fail. And most of the time he did it just to see if I was going to do it, uh, which I did. Um, I would do the same thing. It was... And then here's, you know, my little bitty hands, you know, because I, I wanted to mimic my father. I, I wanted to be like him. Don't we want to be like our heavenly father? Perfect, pure, loving without condition, giving grace to people, offering hope giving them the, the promise that one day you're not going to have to worry about the decaying body that you're in right now. You're going to have a new body, a new life. It's going to be wonderful. No, why practice things that are in opposition to God? John wants the members of this church in ancient Turkey and God wants church, the believers in this church to live a life based on our true nature. Our true nature is sons and daughters of the king. 
Because when you and I sin, we make a mockery of that nature. And we suppress that nature. And as we learned the last few weeks, we not only deceive ourselves, but we deceive everybody. And God desires us to live out our true nature. And so may we, as sons and daughters of the Father, sons and daughters of the King, may we always display our true nature. May we always display our true nature. And that nature is a son and a daughter of God. Because of the lavish love he's given to us. May we love and live by faith. May we practice godliness. And may we point the world to the one and only hope they have. His name is Jesus. Will you pray with me?